Hello, friends, and welcome to the Brother Cousins Podcast, episode 43. Today, we are so thankful to be continuing our series in the month of August 2022, kind of covering and recovering the content that was delivered at the 2022 Church of Christ area-wide meeting. The theme for that meeting was taken from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And speaking of a disciple that we absolutely love here at the Brother Cousins podcast, today our special guest is Brother Jordan Dancer. You might know Brother Jordan Dancer from his podcast, 15 Minutes in a Big Idea, or from his engagement with the Mended Collective. So Jordan, welcome to the show today. We're so thankful to have you. Hey guys, glad to be on. I really uh, love the work you guys are doing here, and y'all are my top, top slot to listen to when podcasts drop on Monday morning. So oh. I'm a huge fan. Well, we appreciate you saying that. I think yes, you do. We would be amiss if we didn't give a little bit of credit to you. You know, I, I spent a lot of hours on the phone with Jordan before we actually launched this podcast, him giving us some counsel and from his experience because he's been at this game a lot longer than we have. So, Jordan, we appreciate you helping us get a start. And it's great to have you come full circle and, and join the show today. Good to be here. So we know you, but not everyone listening out there might know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your work in the kingdom of God at this time. Sure. Yeah. So I just uh, recently finished graduate school at the University of Oklahoma, picked up a graduate degree there, and I'm transitioning into church work as an evangelist. I was ordained, uh, I guess, probably three or four months ago. And um, I've been invited to, to work with the Church of Christ in Fort Smith, the Wheeler Avenue Church of Christ there. So me and my wife will be moving there in the next couple of weeks or so. By the time this comes out next month, we'll be really making that transition. And um, we're excited for that invitation and a lot of great opportunities. So hope to be blessed by that. Well, we certainly hope the Lord blesses your work there. Thank you. I know the brethren there at Wheeler Avenue, and I know that you're going to get along great with them. And uh, you're going to strengthen each other. And Amen. so grateful for that. So I mentioned a minute ago, your own podcast, as well as your work with the Mended Collective. Yeah. Uh, would you tell our listeners a little bit about that and, and what they need to know to uh, engage with that content if they want? Yeah, to? sure. So I started a podcast. Uh, it was actually my COVID project. Um, everything with church was getting canceled. And I was like, well, I can't just sit at home all day and do nothing. So I said, well, I'll start a podcast and use my uh, frustrated energy towards a productive end. Uh, and what we do at 15 minutes and my big idea is we just take one passage of scripture and just pull on it for about 15 minutes. And so sometimes it's a verse or two, sometimes it's three or four, but we usually move pretty slowly because uh, when we get finished, we're just going to do another, another passage or another book. So um, try to keep it um, applicable and helpful. Try to stay out of the weeds as much as I can. I'm usually not too successful in that, um, but take that, look that up. We've got that on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and, and follow it and take a listen and uh, let me know what you think there. In terms of the Minute Collective, uh, I serve on the exec there um, and I'm chief of content. So uh, the Minded Collective is a Christian content organization and we exist to equip churches and individuals to fulfill the Great Commission, whether that's um, resources that people can use directly or resources for training. Um, we've got YouTube, Instagram. I think you guys had, um, do y'all have Rusty Springer on recently? I think. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, y'all did. Okay. Yeah. He's on that with me. So um, really thankful for his work there. Um, so mostly a video and um, content creation, um, 15 minutes and big ideas actually under that umbrella as well as part of that. Um, I don't know, media conglomerate or something. I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. making up words as I go along that I heard on television. We can time, tell. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, no, but love any support you guys can give us there. Um, a lot of people doing a lot of great work there, especially with the Mended Collective. I think there's at least, I don't know, a couple dozen or more people that have been involved with that. And it's a really great project. Yeah. We've linked to some of that content and we actually, in the last episode in the show notes, Craig Hayes did a, intro video for his talk for the area-wide meeting and that was actually produced by the mended collective so to see a sample of their work just check out the show notes for episode 42 and you will find it there sweet yeah so welcome again and you know jordan your particular assignment for the area-wide meeting was how that communication was a key for healthy relationships and you yeah I took careful notes during your presentation. It was great. I'm sure that that was just the tip of the iceberg, though. And um, some really good takeaways there. You gave some practical advice on how we can communicate better uh, and both interpersonally, like on a personal level, and also our, our online communication. I thought it was great that you covered both of those. What were some things that the Lord taught you as you dove into that content at the scriptures? What are some big takeaways that you had? Sure. Yeah. I, I think um, one of the, one of the things I did for those of you who didn't hear it was I just spent a lot of time in James chapter three, um, specifically the back half of that, which I think is a passage that um, comes a lot, up a lot for you guys here. Um, maybe not quite as often as Philippians two um, for you guys. Cause I think you guys, if you ever rebrand, you should be the Philippians two podcast. Although there's there's worse passages that could come up, but uh, meanwhile, back to James three, um, basically I just want to spend some time on the back end there. And that was, um, that's been a really convicting passage to me. Um, especially, I guess it's probably about verse number 17, where it talks about the wisdom from above is um, first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits um, without partiality and hypocrisy. And I just um, kind of had the chance to examine or re-examine um, the way that I talk and it just hit me like a ton of bricks that, um, that doesn't really, um, I guess, uh, doesn't describe my communication style. A lot of the time, um, that a lot of times I'm more hasty and I'm harsh and I'm frustrated and I'm short and a lot of other things. So I think in, in some sense to me, um, James three seventeen is pretty paradigmatic for how we should approach communication in general. Um, so that's what I wanted to spend a lot of time on. And that really, uh, that really crushed me a lot. So that's, that gets us started there. There's definitely some convicting truth in that passage, because if we, if we look at that passage and how it describes that the servants of Christ should communicate, it's definitely starkly different than the way the world prizes communication. Sure. Right. Especially in, I don't know if, if historians look back on this area or era of time, they'll probably call it like the meme age or, you know, the meme age and the, the age of the talking point, the age of the meme. It just seems like we want to exchange barbs, but we don't really want to exchange thoughtful, you know, thoughtful thoughts. Now I can't, I can't even use words that I've heard before. <laughs> Oh, and, and fittingly, the thing that has driven the way we communicate outside of text messaging, which had a huge impact 
on how we communicate the shortening of words and letters and LOLs and people actually saying that out loud when they're talking to people instead of just, ha that's funny. But then you really spent some time and hit a lot of us hard on how we utilize social media. And it seems like that has really changed where we've now are not just keyboard warriors, but we're pulling a lot of that away from the screen and, and using that in our personal interactions where we're just short, we're demeaning and belittling. We go to personal attacks instead of reasoned arguments and discussions. Sure. And I mean, it, it's no secret. I have deleted Facebook for myself oh. because the, the temptation to have a discussion was there and even trying to keep discussions above board was just so difficult because that's not how that thing is geared. It's geared for conflict because that keeps people coming back to it. And I felt like, and, and I just felt like you did a really good job of bringing that point home and setting it right in people's laps of this is, this is not good. And we're Christians, even when we're on social media. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, there's this sense in which we've got to be aware that, um, that every piece of content we take in is, is affecting us in some way. Um, you know, don't be deceived, evil communications, corrupt good manners, specifically about um, they're the, doctor, the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead. But I think a lot of times we think, oh, well, that's a verse for like 13-year-olds <laughs> about peer pressure. And um, everything we read, everything we hear, I mean, it's discipling our brains and it's leading us in one direction or another. And uh, I, I mean, I, I would submit text messaging. You threw that out too. I, I would also submit, um, just for you guys to kick around, I'd get your feedback on this, um, that I think actually that, that television and movies actually affect um, to a detriment the way we communicate um, because the model of communication you get there is immediate response. You get um, short pauses. Um, you get really articulate things. And um, the point there is, I mean, it's a television show. You got to cut out the dead space. So I don't, I don't have any disrespect for the platform, but I think that um, if I can use the word disciples us to think that everything has to be a quick response, just because we get used to that. We get used to hearing the, you know, someone stops talking, it's my turn to start talking. Whereas um, scripturally the whole pausing and, and thinking how to respond is a very biblical thing. So um, between that and the way people engage online or um, on especially cable news, I'll, I'll call it out, is uh, I think very detrimental a lot of times. Yeah, it's interesting, Jordan, especially in older movies in the, you know, in the late black and white movie era, some of the the dialogue between the characters is just like wham, 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 back and forth, and they talk so fast. Really? It is, and it's hard to keep track of sometimes in, in older movies because it is so fast. And that, that phrase that you used, our heart is being discipled. And I guess that's true in any given moment, depending on what sort of content we're consuming, it is discipling us. You know, the scripture says that we, by the word of God, can have our senses exercised to discern good and evil. In mm -hmm. 2 Peter 2.14, Peter is addressing a certain class of false teachers, and it says, their eyes are full of adultery. They cannot see some sin and enticing unstable souls. And they have a heart trained in covetous practices. Yeah. And I just wonder if I were to look at the content that I consume, what is it training my heart to be and say? Yeah. You know, that was something Rachel brought to my attention years ago. Um, I was a fan of 
criminal minds, I think is, is what mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And, you know, we were sitting, having a conversation. I was flipping through the TV and she said, how can you put that in your head? Mm-hmm. And the way she phrased that was like, she kicked me in the head and said, wake up goober. And yeah. why, why are you letting that in? And I had to stop and reconsider what it was I was letting into my heart through my eyes. We're told Proverbs 24, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. He skip down to verse 23. He says, keep your heart with all vigilance for f- from it flow the springs of life. Wow. And that keep there is to guard or put a guard upon and everything. And we just have content in front of us all the time now. Um, it's screaming at us from our t- cell phones. It's on our computers constantly to everywhere you go. Any business anymore has something playing, usually the news. And so, you know, like for the gym, we have a TV and I'll turn it on, but I try to keep it on one of the two weather channels we have access to that impacts our guys. There's something we can talk about there. And it's not the normal rhetoric that you get from your, your news all day, every day. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, more than just, um, in the heart and in the mind, um, even in, um, in, a with a lot with uh, social media and apps and things like this and cell phones, I mean, biologically it's, uh, it's, it's retraining the way you think at a, at a measurable biological level. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten the phantom buzz before in your pocket, um, where you're like, you feel a buzz, but that's, um, yep. that's a place where your, um, your body knows that if I look at this, this object that's in my pocket, then I'm going to get an endorphin hit because of, you know, whatever I see, whatever I like, the likes, notifications, whatever people like me. Um, and so it sends a pulse down to your leg to say, Hey, get the phone out. Um, so you can get this. And so, um, I think for me personally, I've spent far too long being naive. Um, and that doesn't mean that we have to, um, you know, swear these things off and say, well, we can't have anything. Let's go make a compound. It just means we have to be a little, have a little bit of wisdom about ourselves. Um, and to figure out, um, is this pushing us? Are we pushing it? I think is an important question to ask. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you kind of pulled us back into James three with that. And James asked the question, who is wise and understanding among you? Mm. And, and it's a question we should ask ourselves there as with everything, there are things that can be completely innocuous to some can be good for others and bad for still more. Amen. And we have to figure out where we fall in that and learn how to use those things. If we're going to use them to be purposeful in using them to demonstrate glory for God and glorify yeah. his kingdom and show that wisdom that is from above. And we can do those things within that platform. We just have to be so well wise, as you said, we have to use a lot of wisdom and a lot of care when we approach those things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one, one thing that comes into play here, Jordan, and I think that you've touched on it a couple of different times, both in your talk and this evening is some of this din- disinhibition effect that happens hmm. whenever you're communicating online. Can you say more so- about that? Okay, so disinhibition um, is where you basically 
disconnect yourself from the relationship that you might have and mm-hmm. what your words may end up doing. So a lot of the times in online communications, because we don't have that visual or auditory cues mm-hmm. to help us decipher the intent or the meaning or the tone of the message and the messenger, they're just words on a computer screen. And we hear them how we hear we we say them the way we want to say them and we hear them the way that we want to hear them. And so some of the psychological factors that can come into play here is things like projection, where you project your unwanted feelings or emotions onto somebody else and you interpret a message that somebody else said, or I guess typed rather, um, rather than giving them the motives that they intended, you take it in the wrong way, or you transfer your feelings or emotions about someone in your life that's going on right now and redirect them to another person. All of these are psychological aspects that lead to heightened conflict online. And if, if you go and, and you read about some of these things, this, din, this disinhibition is what leads people to be those quote unquote keyboard warriors. We don't think about the consequences of what we type. We don't think about the relationships that we may be affecting, which is why you see brothers and sisters in Christ tearing each other apart with their words because they don't have that person right in front of them to see the way it reacts and to see how your words hit. And then the opposite end of that is true is, I'm going to ascribe these different motives to you because I'm projecting and transferring these different emotions on as well. So yeah, I really enjoyed that part of your talk. Oh, well, I, I don't remember saying it nearly as articulate as you just did. I thought that was great. This is something that I've kind of mentioned is that whole, you know, it, I can't tell you how many times that I've been around my friends, you know, rehashing a conversation or going through it. And they tell me something. And then I say the whole, well, if I'd have been there, I'd tell you what I'd have said. I'd have told them this and that. It's like, no, you wouldn't have stuff that like, come on. Um, and perhaps there's some like catharsis and getting through like the situation that's not altogether unhelpful, but yeah, if you're sitting across from a, from a real person and you know, you can see their face fall, um, then you're going to react differently, right? If you've got, you've got to deal with their emotions or their frustrations, you know, if you're sitting across from a, a linebacker or something like this, like he might jump over the table and punch you or something like that. Like there's a, I mean, not that that's a good and honest way to react, but like, you're not going to be crazy and try to incite that dude. Um, whereas when you're online, you're disassociated or uh, disinhibited, I think. And so you really do see these consequences come out because we're like, there are no consequences. Um, and really what happens is you get, um, I mean, what talks about in James three about your bitter envy and self-seeking where I feel big, make other people feel small. Like you've got that um, like on steroids, you know, concentrated without the relational fallout or at least the immediate relational fallout. And so you've got like all of the quote unquote best part without any of the bad part. I mean, this is from the wisdom of the world, of course. Um, but it, it uh, brings out the worst in us, I suppose. Well, and that's something that in contrast, so I'm glad that you brought it back to James chapter three and the wisdom of the world, because in contrast, you see biblical examples of people doing the exact opposite. And I, I think about the way that John communicated in his letters. Mm. So in second John chapter one and verse 12, he said, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Yeah. And so there's something about this being together face to face that facilitates this process in our life 
and helps you communicate things in a different way. And then you skip to the next book in third John one in verse 10, he says, so if I come, I'll bring up what he is doing and that he is diatrophies, how he's talking wicked nonsense against us mm. and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. And then in verse 13, he says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope mm. to see you soon and we will talk face to face. So again, we see this emphasis on face to face communication, specifically in the context of talking through a sensitive issue about sure. the effect that Diotrephes is having on the church, on other Christians. And it just, it gives us an example of a well-known communication strategy that I think is communicated there in James chapter three. And that's some conversations are better to have in person because of the sensitive nature of it. And we need to see those cues. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. There was a, an instance that happened back in the winter and there was something said online and a brother in the Lord that we all know and love made a comment about some on something that I had said. And there was actually a word missing in there. And I was like, what? Like, I thought my brother in, in Christ was publicly calling me out for something that he thought I did. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And I was like, you know, I, I need to comment back and see what's going on. But I thought, you know what? I'm not doing that. And so I just called him and I was like, hey, man, you know, I, I totally could have misunderstood what you said. But were you saying X, Y and Z? And he was like, what? No, let me go back and look. And he goes, oh, there's a word missing. Right. And so <laughs> it's kind of like that dis, that disinhibition. I, I was I was ascribing this. I was feeling all these feelings about what I saw. But it wasn't even the correct thing that was communicated. And so rather than having it out there for everybody to see, I just called him as like, dude, can we can we chat it out? And it was a great discussion. And I'm you know thankful to God that we have telephones alongside Facebook that we could sort that mess out with. Well, and that's the key, Christopher, right there, is that if we would just pick up the phone and call people, I think that that could resolve a lot of the the issues that we see with things like transference or projection, mm -hmm. because now instead of ascribing motives to other people, we just call them and say, hey, I think we may have miscommunicated here. And just hearing the other voice, hearing concern, hearing any of the number of things rather than reading it on a keyboard or on a screen just makes a huge difference. And most of the conflict that I believe we had over COVID-19 that we saw on Facebook could have been resolved with a cup of coffee or a phone call. But rather what we did is we just continued to toss fuel on the fire. Yeah. And another, I think, conflict stopper is the private message. Hmm. Like instead of confronting someone and calling them out on something like, let's say that someone just post something just totally egregious and you can, you can have it out right there for everybody to see, but like it takes some humility and it really tests your motive to say, am I willing to engage with this person to try to get to the bottom of this issue where no one else can see me being the, you know, the righteous warrior. Right. So yeah. you message them privately and say, Hey, can we talk? Well, and I, I think one of the things that goes with that is the whole, um, sort of the issue of what I call the social persona that goes on is that um, when you interact with someone online, 
if that's the only interaction you have with them, you're not really interacting with them. You're interacting with your interpretations of the persona that they have shared. Now, are they being dishonest? I'm not saying that by any means. I mean, but by all nature, I mean, there's times I'm dishonest. Um, I mean, you can go look at on my Instagram. This is a, a great example. Uh, there's a picture of me in front of the Parthenon and I look all happy. Uh, and the truth is actually, I have a stomach bug and I'm miserable, <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted to share this picture of me being happy in this cool place, you know? Um, and so what are you getting? You're getting, I mean, um, you're not getting the whole picture there. Um, you're just not getting the whole picture. And so I'm um, like with you guys, I mean, we, we text and we talk as um, I don't know if we're keyboard warriors or podcast warriors, whatever it is you'd call us at this point, but um, you know, we talk back and forth. And so like, I feel like I can interact with you guys and I've got a pretty good idea of who you are, but you know, someone in, you know, Timbuktu, I mean, like all I see is the pictures of their grandkids and their lunch. Like, I don't know that person. Uh, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with them. I don't know how they think. I don't know how they tick. I don't know what their their difficulties and pain is. Um, and so I've just got to be really mindful of that, that you're, it's not like you're interacting with an NPC on a video game. Um, that's just the same every time you're interacting with a person. And I think yeah. that's where that dis- disinhibition effect comes in, Jordan, is that we are no longer communicated with a person. Yeah. We're communicating with a screen and there's a psychological switch that flips there. You know, Christopher, in, in response to what you said in terms of the private message thing, you know, I, one of the interesting thought exercises that I run through is what would have happened if something in the scriptures happened an opposite way. And I think about Apollos on many occasions mm-hmm. where he was corrected, he was brought aside after the fact, and he was given more truth that he had to face. What would have happened had, you know, Aquila and Priscilla been like the hecklers in the crowd that was like, ha, you don't know anything. I can't believe that you believe that. Like, that's laughable. You think that you're an an eloquent speaker. You think that you know these things. Like, Mm. it may have completely gone a different direction, but because of the wisdom that they had to wait till he finished, respect him, show some humility and go to the side and say, hey. And I'm obviously going to be inserting some things here, but hey, you you know a lot. You're an eloquent speaker, but I think you're missing out on some real truths here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those things. Well, one of the things I think you've got there that I, I think in some sense we've um, that I, I sort of missed is the, is the biblical idea of admonishment, um, you know, encouragement and admonishment. I think are lost. Sometimes because encouragement is just saying, you know, telling somebody what to do in a positive way or admonishment is a is a genuinely caring um, critique. Um, And I think what I've done sometimes is I've jumped straight to the harsh rebuke. You know, we got to have the truth and we got to say the truth. We got to be the truth and the truth, 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 truth. And like I run all these nuclear options out here. And it's like, you know, if you just like go in there with maybe not a head of steam, but just like a little bit of care about people, like a lot of times these situations work themselves out. but I think sometimes I've only known about like the nuclear option and I've missed it. And that's led me to a lot of pain and heartache. Insert yeah. Jared's comment about knowledge and love. Yeah. 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 It, you know, the Bible says in the Proverbs that a, a soft answer turns away wrath. And, you know, I, Jared loves C.S. Lewis. And just as much as Jared loves C.S. Lewis, I love Sun Tzu and the Art of War. so besides the bible and then getting things done by david allen i have the art of war 
Okay. okay. Like that's in, in the art of war, Sun Tzu says that the, basically, if you want to make an army fight to the death, you give them no way to retreat. Hmm. And he says, now you may want that to happen. You may want to put your force in a position that they will fight tooth and nail to survive. And that can be useful to the general. But if it's your enemy, if you put your enemy in a position that they have no way to escape, then they will fight tooth and nail and destroy you. And if we're having a discussion with someone and we make it in such a way is that if they yield to the truth, they have to lose face in the process, mm. then they may fight to the death before they allow that to happen. We've yeah. got to give people a way out. We've got to give people to give them that truth. And Jordan, one of the things you said in your talk was having the truth isn't a license to do or say whatever you want to prove or promote it. I paraphrase. And when we put people in a position that they have to lose face in order to admit the truth, then we're, we're going to lose that nine times out of 10. But if we put it and say something like, you know, have you considered this way of thinking about mm. it? Or, you know, the way I learned it was boom. What do you think about that? Yeah. And, and then no yeah. ultimatums. Yeah. And then you're really talking about the idea rather than people's personal opinions. And whenever you can step back to, you know, what do you think about this idea mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, this is the right idea and you're wrong, I think is really important. And uh, um, one of the things that was really critical to me there that really critiqued me, especially around COVID-19 and, and other ones and a lot of the way I'd um, talked through a lot of this in James 3 is where um, it talks about um, this wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. Um which I realized is, um, I made that observation in the talk is that those are the three enemies of the Christian. <laughs> if you think in the Bible that, um, spiritual forces of darkness, the flesh and the world, that is everything that is antithetical to God. Um, and whenever I think that because I've got the truth, I can just, you know, nuclear nuclearize people. I'm not, I'm not right. I'm not right at all. And I want to, I want to just suggest here for you guys to kind of kick around. This is something I didn't get to was that I think um, in, in some sense, like having the truth is sort of like not really in the discussion of this passage. This is just sort of the way you relate. And I would argue that in these, in this passage here specifically, this gives you a way to work through things and to talk through things where we're trying to come to what the, what the truth is or what the right answer is or what wisdom is. Um, and we don't have to be right, um, that we can hold things with a loose hand. And that I can talk to my brother and we can, you know, not just totally obliterate our relationship as we try to find what the will of God is and what the knowledge of Christ would mean in this situation. Um, Because I really think this is a pattern and a formula for um, working through whatever it is in a a peaceful way. You know, Jordan, I think you're on to something there. And I hadn't really noticed that about this passage in the past. I mean, it talks about not being false to the truth. Yeah. It talks about people who are wise and understanding, but you're right. It doesn't really that I'm seeing insert truth into that. You know, I think what, what we've done in the past is that we go into debate mode and we use certain debate tactics. And one very prevalent debate tactic is attack the other person's credibility and we make it about them and their credibility. Mm. And if we can discredit them, then now all of a sudden we are right. And what that ends up doing is exactly what you said, Christopher, it backs people up 
And what it, it does psychologically is it initiates the fight or flight mechanism. And so do I run away or do I fight tooth and nail? And the longer we're in that process, the worse that it gets. But what you're suggesting, Jordan, is this discussion mechanism where we're truly seeking after truth together. It's not about if Christopher's right. It's not about if you're right. It's not about if I'm right. It is let's all be right together and let's work towards that together um, so that we can share it with somebody else. Sure. Amen. And I might even go so far as to say, um, let's both be wrong together, if that's what it means, because we could both be wrong in the situation. Um, but this allows us to work through it in a way that's peaceable um, and maintains unity and fellowship and allows us to, to come and fight another day against, um, frankly, our true enemy and our true adversary, which is never each other. Right. That was something <clears throat> that was really frustrating for me recently. Um, I had discussions with elders and and would go to them with some thoughts or some points, some ideas and want to talk through it. And I can be a little intense and it's, it's just my personality type. If I've come to an idea, I'm going to defend it, but I want it to be countered because I Mm -hmm. want to work through it and would have one elder in particular and a couple others that would say, "I, I don't think you're wrong. Well, that doesn't help me. I, mm. I need to work through this. And and what he was telling me without coming right out and saying it was there's there's a broad application of things here where there's some judgment and, and we're all trying to feel through our way to what is best and not necessarily black and white in the realm that I wanted it to be. It was coming down to a realm of what is most loving and mm. how do we demonstrate that love and this wisdom from above instead of this wisdom that is from below. And that, that was tough. I, I wanted, you know, let's hash this out and come to a decision. Yeah. I was willing to be wrong, but they were saying, let's, let's just slow it all way down. Mm. And that was great advice that I have since used in myriad applications. You know, sometimes my kids will be arguing about something and one of them is clearly right and the other one is clearly wrong, but I scold them both because of the way they're disagreeing, you know, and, and the, well, I was right. And he was saying what was wrong was that I don't care. I don't care. Let him be wrong if he wants to be wrong. But the way that you're acting toward him about being wrong is also wrong. So stop it. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder how many times God looks down at us. And he's thinking, Christopher, you're, you're factually correct, but you're spiritually incorrect. Probably not as many times on the factually correct as you might like to think you'd be, but that's correct. Just no, no, for real. I mean, that's beside the point, but you know, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I'm just messing with you. Sorry. That was probably not the wisdom from above that I just employed there. I apologize. Please forgive me. I accept your apology. To come back to to some of this, you know, whenever you read through the book of Ephesians, and now I'm going to get back into Jared's wheelhouse a little bit here. Oh, I like Ephesians. It really seems, and yeah, you did, you covered Ephesians in 15 Minutes of Big Idea. And it was um, really good work, by the quite way. Quite a while back, I feel like. No, uh, no I'm halfway started through it. Started it a while I'm, back. He still yeah. started it a while back. Yeah, I've got um, 70 episodes. So since you're more familiar with it than me, um, Jordan, you can affirm this or say that I'm absolutely wrong on this, but I feel like that 
through the discussion of Ephesians, one of the major themes that you see is that this enemy is the darkness or futility of mind. Yeah. And that can be ascribed to ignorance or false ideas or some of those things. And and you see that as a corrective mechanism through the book. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I totally agree with that. There's definitely a, uh, I would say that, that Ephesians probably as clearly as any book presents spiritual forces of wickedness. Um, it sort of just pulls the curtain a little back to say, hey, they're, they're back there. You need to be aware of them. Uh, and there's a lot going on. Uh, and then it sort of says, and that's enough and live for Christ. Um, but I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, and, and, and I'm just thinking about that in the context of this conversation is so many times we approach all of these different topics thinking Christopher's the enemy yeah, or Jordan's the enemy or Jared's the enemy because they're against me. But what Ephesians says is that falsehood and deception and ignorance is really the enemy that we're fighting against. And these powers of darkness. And and he goes on, and this is something Jordan had, had hasn't had a chance to get to yet. And and by the way, I love how slow you're going through the book. I'm I'm loving it. I I love Ephesians. That's good stuff. Um, but this idea of communication and wrapping that in there as we're fighting these forces, and and we have to remember, like Christopher said in an episode previously, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder, not facing each other, butting heads. Mm. Ephesians 4 is until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mm. And that is all together. Yep. We're, we're all moving that way together, and we need each of us to push to that point. And when we're fighting with one another, we're not going to get there. We are, by default, acting as agents of darkness. Yeah, amen. And bringing that chaos into what God has unified. Yeah, yeah, no, keep on. And when we work this as, and, and I'm going to go ahead and plug 15 minutes in a big idea here again, go listen to those episodes. It's It's been really good. Working together with the eye of Christ, unified in him with one another to obtain, attain this maturity. No longer children tossed to and fro. and when our kids and then I actually just had this this evening before supper, I don't even know what it was about, but two of them got crossways and here we go. And it, it started like 20 minutes before we were trying to sit down to eat, but it carried to the table and finally just stopped both of them and said, it's enough. You're, you're causing chaos as we're trying to beat supper. Let's just yeah forget it, let it go and move on. And, and they were, talking across purposes they were fighting over nothing and didn't even know it and once they stopped and ran it through me and we were able to kind of sort it out it didn't take that long but it had to be done and mm. they weren't going to talk to each other because they were both mad sure yeah well i mean i think to to just kind of pull in um a little bit more of earlier in james three where he talks about um you know like the the fountain that brings forth uh sweet water and salty water um, or fire, um, or the blessing and cursing coming from the same spot that what should be, you know, this, this chance for life and abundance and flourishing ends up being this ultimate source of cursing. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, our speech really becomes where the rubber meets the road in terms of who we are as people, whether we're out, we're living, being a blessing or we're living out being a curse. And, um, 
and I, I think there's there's something to that about the the ever present choice to to which side are we going to live on? Um, are we going to live with blessing or curse? I think the main takeaway out of that passage is that James is saying that we need to be sweet, but we we all being salty. Well, Jesus says to have salt in yourselves, so we're trying. But... <laughs> Sorry, I'm and just... <laughs> you you opened with that idea, and and anybody familiar with James understood what you were talking about when you said what what if I told you there was a fire in the building hmm. and that thought process fire is life-giving we survive with with heat the ability to hmm. warm ourselves to cook food to, to clean water I mean it, it's imperative to what our survival but it also causes mass destruction when it's out of place yeah and just really appreciated you giving a, a really good example of that an easy example that was you know people have to catch it that quick sure yeah well you know whenever you yell fire in a, a building with a thousand people and it usually gets people's attention um but yeah i mean i think i think to that end um the more i think about it satan has um roughly one device and i'm not going to say it's just one but roughly one device and it's take what god has made good and subvert it for selfish purposes to people's destruction Maybe there might be a variation on that theme but that's kind of what he does yep um and whether that's our words whether that's um you know the work that we have or that's our relationships whether it's sexuality whatever it is it's take what god has made good and and make people a slave with it um and and words obviously are a place where that happens it's part of the larger theme of of uh, order versus chaos, right? We yeah. see that in the creation. There was a void. Uh, there was a an ocean of chaos and turmoil and darkness. In the minute that the spirit of God hits the scene, it hovers over the face of the water and brings light to the situation. Mm. And that theme is repeated over and over in the test in the Old Testament and the New even with um, the Leviathan or Rahab, right? The, the crooked serpent, the, the beast of chaos that rears its head again in the book of Revelation, right? Is at counter purposes with the order and dominion of Christ. It's the yeah. theme from creation to revelation. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's why you have the whole, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Um, going back to, to Craig's sermon. And I'm going to tie two ideas from the end of James and here in Ephesians four again, do it. James says that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Yeah. And as he's talked about this wisdom, he's talked about truth. He's talked about the tongue. There is something that should be desired here. There should be a goal in mind if we're going to open our mouths. Yeah. And that goal is to have a harvest of righteousness. And Paul says something similar as he's talking about this in Ephesians 4, where he says, don't be children tossed to and fro. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. There's, as with so many things in life, there's the broad way where there's so many ways to get it wrong. And there's the narrow way where there's, a really restricted way to get things right. Yeah. And as we work on our communication, not just not having negative communication, but striving toward having good communication, this desire to have a harvest of righteousness, 
and we have to develop these relationships, get face to face, have these difficult conversations or, or even good conversations where we're purposeful in building people up, telling them they did a good job or presenting ideas and saying, what do you think about this? And mm-hmm. this is what you said. This is what I heard. And yeah. I've got a brother here that is really good about doing that. What I heard you say was, and it gives me an opportunity to think about the way I'm communicating. And is it really getting the message across that I want to deliver? Yeah. Well, I mean, just going back up there down in Ephesians four, I think you're in probably verses 12 to 16, some of there. you go back to go down to verse 29, right? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edification that may minister grace to the hearer. Uh, that's that the translation I'm using there is some conglomeration of all of them. Um, but uh, you've got no corrupt communication, which is things that tear down. And I mean, what he says is, um, I mean, corrupt communication, there isn't just seven words you can't say on TV, though that might be included in it. Um, it's words that make people worse. It's words that are counter um, uh, counterproductive to the, to the idea of building up, which is edification, which I think he's sort of, he's kind of pulling the temple theme from chapter two in Ephesians over onto the body metaphor in chapter four, right? He's kind of pulling these things together. And I think you should sort of see them as, um, kind of two sides of the same coin, right? But we're right. supposed to build up um, and then to, to minister grace. And if you look at grace language, um, a lot of times it's about gift mm-hmm. giving. I mean, if you just look at the word grace, um, it, 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 mean, it can mean favor, but it's specifically it has to do a lot outside of the Bible with giving a gift to someone. And that was just a really helpful idea to me because so many times I come into conversations and I'm thinking to myself, what can I get out of this? How can I be blessed by talking to this person? I'm going to talk to so-and-so they're going to give me, I'm really encouraged. You know, it's easy to talk to you guys. You're so, I mean, y'all are so encouraging. It's great, but like, I've got to start coming into conversations, not thinking about what can I say or how can I be blessed, but how can I bless other people? Um, and I think that is counter to the envy and self-seeking that's in our hearts. So there's mm-hmm. a, yeah, good. Well, I think, you know, Jordan, this reminds me of something that, that you brought up in your talk at the area-wide meeting. And it's a statement that's been rolling through my mind. Um, just multiple times over the last few days. And it was something along the lines of, uh, and it obviously it was in the context of your communication with others, but does your communication with others bring closer, bring, be, bring people closer to Christ because of you or in spite of you? Mm, yeah. And I've been thinking about that just because one of the main themes that we've really been hitting on over the last few months on the brother cousins podcast is being gospel focused in in our everything that we do in every decision that we make. And I think bringing this back to that type of a discussion, the way that we communicate should highlight that attitude in our life of being gospel centered. And it should bring people closer to Christ rather Mm. than pushing them into a corner and making them flee. Mm. Um, And really that's what Ephesians four is talking about is, is being able to build those people up and contribute to unity. And we all come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ together. You know, that's, that's one of the main themes there in Ephesians chapter three or four is this part of this new mind is coming to the knowledge of Jesus. Yeah, totally. You know, and, oh, go ahead, Jared. I was just going to make the point from Ephesians 4, 29, that corrupt there is what we would call rotten. I mean, it's rotted fruit. And to Jordan's point about what Satan does and 
twisting what God has given us and, and called good. Speech was meant to be good, Amen. but what's not is like rotten fruit. It is disgusting. Um, we, we keep, especially bananas in our house. Um, younger children can eat bananas really easily, but sometimes we buy more than Rachel will use. And there is very few things that I have come across that is more disgusting to me than a rotten banana. And I, and I mean, rotten, there was a food bag that got left in the gin office. It was kind of tucked off to the side. I don't know who put it there, but I, I found it the other day, pulled it out, pulled some stuff out of it. And down at the bottom was this black moldy, disgusting banana. And it was corrupt. Mm. And as I worked on a, a study or two about speech, that was one thing I'd come across. And this idea of when I'm using speech that is not going to build up, mm. then it's corrupt. And as we're, this is something I've thought about here recently, the power of speech and being image bearers of God. Mm. I don't think we maybe properly place how much power there is in speech. We, we give it too much emphasis in one area, you know, the name it and claim it type deal that is taught a lot in the world, but this, we don't give it enough in, in the, the way we speak to one another. And then also speaking the truth in general out of love and a desire to be good and do good to those around us. Amen. What were you going to say, Topher? I'm sorry. No, you're good, man. You know, there's, you know, something that you said a moment ago, Jordan, was that when you go into a situation, you need, you want to approach it instead of what can I get out of this? Like, what can I give? Yeah. And I, and I think that we do as servants of the Lord Christ need to always approach a situation that we're going to go into is how can I add value to this? How can yeah. I be an image bearer with my speech? But there's one mm. thing that we have not talked about tonight. And it's not how we use our mouths, but how we use our ears. Hmm. My, my dad always told me that the reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth is so you could listen twice as much as you talk. That's also why he made your dad's ears so big. Right. <laughs> I was going to say that anybody that grew up with young Christopher knew why his dad told him that so much. <laughs> Thankfully, he doesn't listen to the podcast because he doesn't really know, even know how to get to one. Bless his heart. But, you know, there have been I, mean, I would have of... said that to his face, though. <laughs> I know it's because. Yeah. But, you know, talk about those ramifications of smarting off to a dangerous person face to face, you know. Uh, anyway. I think it's important that as we do approach the situations and we do expect to go into it, I think sometimes we think well, I'm going to go and I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to sort out the problem. I'm going to figure out the communication thing. We're going to get to the bottom of this and it's going to be because of what I say. But I think we're really discounting the importance of going into a situation and listening. Hmm. There's been situations where I knew I was going to have to have a difficult conversation. I was going to go into this deal. I had in my mind what that fight was going to look like, and it was going to be a yeah. fight. And I knew what I was, I had my bullets and my verbal gun loaded up, ready to fire them off at the right times. And then you get into the situation and you start by listening. And pretty soon I'm putting my gun up because I realize yeah. I'm not going to need it. And sometimes we go into a situation trying to fix it with our godly communication and we are going to handle it right 
but what we get is the surprise of a grace that we get whenever we hear the person out. And sometimes that's the key is that someone is not being heard. Mm -hmm. And the fact that someone is thoughtfully listening, checking for understanding, like your brother was talking, like you were talking about, Jared, I think we underestimate the value of active listening with a heart to understand and to bring peace just through letting people know that we can hear and not having to have all the answers. And by doing that, sometimes contrary to our conventional wisdom, Jordan, we do receive a gift from that, from that conversation, even though we've said nothing. Yeah. Amen. Uh, uh, absolutely. And I, and I think one of the things that goes with that, with the listening and that you mentioned the checking for understanding is um, I think a lot of times we sort of, um, I think it's called the fundamental attribution or something like that, where we, um, we expect everyone to be perfect communicators around us, whereas we're not perfect communicators ourselves. And that a lot of times people will say things in ways that they didn't exactly mean. Um, or people will sometimes, you know, say only 10% of what they really want to say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's on um, a servant of them and of Christ to try and try and pull that out and to look for what's going on there. What do they really mean? Because um, a lot of times, a lot of times people do want to talk, especially when they're hurting or in pain or have difficulty. They want to work through that. Um, it's just a case of us being um, the servants of Christ to do that. That was something your... I wrote down that Jordan had said earlier, having the whole picture. Mm. There's so many situations we walk into where we have someone's interpretation of what's going on and no ill intention needed there. It's just, we can't see everything and, and no one can dealing with crime scene stuff. Police want to interview as many people as possible that saw it and try and put together a composite of what that was with yeah. in our training at the bank. If, if there was ever a robbery, you tried to lock everybody inside until the police could talk to them because you wanted what everybody saw because nobody saw everything. Yeah. And if they did, they're not going to remember it perfectly. Yeah. And when we go in with our thought process, number one, guns blazing, number two, we're, we're playing with fire with a very real chance of getting burned. Amen. Amen. Well, and as we consider this idea Christopher, I've experienced some pretty, some pretty similar situations as you that, you know, just by listening, it generally opens up a better understanding to the person. It diffuses a, a conversation relatively quickly whenever that person feels heard. But I, I kind of want to lay some responsibility back on us in the sense of, and this is where my sarcasm is going to show through is <laughs> heaven forbid, we actually learned something that we didn't already know. <laughs> I mean, you know, as yeah. we think about this discussion versus debate thing, you know, we want to think that the way that we see things and the way that we understand things are completely accurate, but it takes the mind of Christ. And by that, I mean, the humility that Christ had, Philippians chapter two, Jordan. Um, I had to, I had to bring that in here. It took somehow. us an hour, yeah. Um, to say, you know, maybe I still need to learn something else. Amen. Maybe this person can teach me, um, rather than constantly trying to bang them over the head with what we know. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
Proverbs 20 and verse five says counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Mm. And it's a skill and a gift, right? And we, when we can talk to people and we can make ourselves a person who people will clam up around, or we can make ourselves into a kind of person with the Lord's wisdom and his you know, help of his spirit. We can become a kind of person who people will open up to. And we can learn how to draw out counsel and wisdom. And, you know, sometimes I, I've always been a person. I, I just nothing that I've done. I, I don't know. I guess I have one of those faces where people just tell me stuff. A lot of times people tell me stuff I did not want to know. You got the bartender aura. I do. Like I used to work at an insurance office and I had this customer. He came in and he started telling me stuff that I did not want to know like he was a world war ii veteran and and this is not too graphic for our show but he was actually telling me that he was stationed in germany in world war ii and that even in the armed forces at at during those times that there were um sexual predators in the military in world war ii and that sometimes when you went to the shower you had to take a buddy and and then he looked at me and he goes Wow, I've never told anybody this. I don't know why I'm telling you right now. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I don't know why you're telling me right now. Wow. But we can, when people figure out that we're a safe person to express to and that we'll keep that yeah. confidence, then then we can actually serve them. And I think that listening and being easy to be entreated, right? That's part of that mm. wisdom from above is easy to be entreated. It's approachable then yeah. we can use that to the glory of God to uncover situations and, and help and counsel people through things that are difficult to talk about. Yeah. Well, and I think that everyone thinks that they're a better communicator than what they actually are. And that doesn't just mean that they are eloquent in their speech. I think we all think that we're better listeners than what we really are and that we understand people more than what we really think we do. Um, there, you know, communications, it's two-sided street, right? So what I hear you saying is everyone is actually a good communicator. Something like that. Okay. All right. I was just curious. That's what I thought I heard. Well, I, I think that it's a grace that we can give to other people whenever, you know, uh, we talked about, we, we, we expect everyone around us to be a perfect communicator when we are not, but mm. I think it would be better to understand that I'm not a perfect communicator and neither is anybody else I'm talking to. And so rather than trying to hang people up on technicalities, oh, you said this, what we need to do is we try to look behind what's being said and try to understand the message that they're not saying and give that grace. And because that's where we'll really get with people is, is giving them some grace and maybe trying to understand what they couldn't say. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan, did you have anything else on your topic that you wanted to discuss tonight that we didn't have an opportunity to? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll throw out uh, uh, one last idea, I guess. I don't know if there's a way you guys can clip it in or if you guys just do it this way if I just start on it. Yeah, just um, roll with it. Okay. It was one of the things I, did, I sort of mentioned in the start of the talk um, that I would give as, as an encouragement to anybody is that um, a very quick um, uh survey for me led to over 200 passages in the book of Proverbs that have to deal with communication. Um, and as I see you guys, we've clicked around several of them. I see Proverbs 18, 17 about first one uh, pleading his cause seems right. 
I, one of my favorites is Proverbs 18, 13, which is um, answering a matter before hearing is folly and shame. Um, and there's tons of them. <laughs> and so I would just encourage anybody, um, you know, if you look at yourself and you're honest and you're like, I'm not as good at communication as I should be. Um, I feel like a lot of times I walk away from conversations and there's frustration or there's anguish, or I'm hurting people's feelings or people tell me that they're hurting their feelings. It's just always frustrating. I would just encourage you, um, to take a dive into Proverbs and just look at what it has to say about communication, um, and just track those passages and really internalize it. Um, because when you internalize these sorts of truths, I believe that they're life-giving, um, and that they are the wisdom from above. Um, and, um, and so I would encourage you in that. I think it's a great place to get started. Well, thank you, Jordan, for your work in the kingdom and for delivering a, a really helpful and insightful, uh, talk on a Saturday at the area wide meeting. And we just pray that God would richly bless your work in Fort Smith and that, um, fruit would abound to God's glory in that. And the same for your work with your uh, 15 minutes and the big idea podcast. So 15 minutes and a big idea can be found anywhere you consume podcasts. I encourage you to check that out. Jordan has a great formula where he takes a couple of verses, as he already said, and he, and he distills that down into one or three big ideas, one big idea, and maybe three sub ideas. Three supporting. Yeah. It's a really great formula. It really works for you, Jordan. It's very easy to understand and very edifying. So I encourage all of our listeners to, to subscribe to that podcast and take a listen and also check out the YouTube channel with the Mended Collective. There's some really high quality content coming out of there that is not pretentious at all. It's very um, humble and real. And we just encourage our listeners to go and take a look. I'll put a link in the show notes to both of those so you can take it out or uh, check it out at, le- at your leisure. Thanks for us. Uh, yeah, man. Well, thanks for being with us tonight. And Jordan, we would just be honored if you would close us out with a prayer. Sure. Let's, uh, let's pray together, guys. Almighty God, your um, word is life and light and um, had power to create the heavens. And we, as we bear your image, our words similarly have power. And we pray, God, that our words might be used for life, that the ways that we communicate, the ways that we share, um, the ways that we interact and, and joke and, um, and work through difficulties, Father, would be according to your will and our ways that reflect your glory. Father, we pray you teach us to be humble, that you teach us to be patient, um, that you teach us to, to seek your wisdom and your will above our own to the glory of your name. We ask it in the name of, our, of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next week.